I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP show. Full show notes for this episode can be found by going to podcast.nz365guy.com. Before we chat with today's guest, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by the 90-Day Mentoring Challenge. I cover the following key areas to grow your career. Communications, consulting, technology, Microsoft, communities, uh, well, particularly community engagement, developing your career path, and building a personal brand. If this is something that interests you, go to nz365guy.com forward slash mentoring, uh, fill out the application, and we'll see if we can get you in the next intake. And with that, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from Oslo in Norway. He's the Dynamics 365 manager for Point Taken. He got his first MVP awarded about a year ago now, but we will clarify that. He's a consultant by day and a national goalie for beach soccer by night. How's that? Uh, what that means, and he is, he he looks quite buff. But that, that aside, because we don't comment on such things. He has been working with Microsoft CRM since 2007. He's eight years as a consultant architect before he was asked to work for Microsoft uh, to build their partner channel for CRM. After two years at Microsoft, he got a chance to start the CRM branch at Point Taken, where he leads a team uh, of exciting consultants. You can check him out on Twitter at CRM Keeper. Thomas Sandor, welcome to the show. Hey, <laughs> great intro. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that? Yeah, I was actually spot on. It was really great. But yeah, uh, buff, I know, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take it, I'll take it. I've just been watching a video of you um uh, you know, practicing as a goalie. <laughs> I should probably take that down now. <laughs> and you know, your I, shirt is is nowhere to be seen. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> you just see this rippling <laughs> pile of abs and biceps. And I should probably and, post a new yeah. video with something shirt on or something like that just because uh, it's a little embarrassing once I looked at it once again. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's good advertising, mate. Good advertising. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. So how did you get into beach volleyball? And like you're at national representation level, is that right? Yeah, I was, uh, I've been playing soccer, which is what we call it. I don't know if you call mm-hmm. it that there. Yeah, but, we call it soccer. Um, totally. Yeah. But yeah, so I've been playing soccer since I was seven years old. So I have had fairly like a long career. Uh, but once I started, to, uh, you know, after around 30, I didn't really enjoy playing the normal, you know, the standard 11 v 11 soccer anymore. And then I just had some friends that said, hey, we just found this new thing. And I mean, this this stuff we can do until we're 40 years old. No problem. <laughs> I was like, well, what is it? Well, it's beach soccer. And I was like, beach soccer? We, we live in Norway. Do we even have a beach to play? And says, so, yeah, there's actually one pitch. And it was it's only 10-minute drive away from where I live. 
So, I, I mean, I joined just one season. That was completely crap. Uh, but, yeah, it, I just kind of kept at it just because it was just fun to have some friends again, you know, to play with. So, yeah, that's kind of how we got into Beach Shocker. Our, our season isn't longer than maybe one and a half months, though. So we, we do have some disadvantages. And so it, it's an international sport, though, right? So you, yeah. you go and play internationally. Yeah, I was actually just recently in Portugal. So I just came back now uh, for what was the world qualification. So uh, yeah, it's uh, we we never play in Scandinavia. We we mostly just play around you know either Portugal. We've been into uh, Spain. We've been to Russia. We've been to Thailand. You know, just around the world to play around. Yeah, never been to New Zealand though. That'd be fun. No, no, no. I don't know how big a sport it is here. How how did you go though from a um, uh, you're saying you're in qualifying rounds? How did you go? Well, actually, we won the we won the okay. So it's it's kind of a strange thing because it's just like in hockey, I think, where you have like the A group and the B group. So Norway, of course, we are in the B group. So the we won our first games so that we qualified. What do you mean, of course? What do you mean, of course? <laughs> we're in the B group. Come on. <laughs> well, okay, we are in the B group. Uh, so we qualified from the first round to like a middle round, uh, where we then met just. We met three A teams. So we met Spain, which is really good, uh, Poland, and um, I suddenly forgot the last third nation that we met. Yeah, uh, uh, Belarus. Is that what you say in, in English? Yeah. So um, they're really good nations at Beach Soccer. And uh, so we really got to sort of uh, uh, see what Beach Soccer is supposed to be like. <laughs> so we, we lost fair and square. And then we had some quali- some uh, some games at the end that were kind of like for the lucky losers for those groups. And yeah. But it was fun. It was fun. A lot of learning. It's great when you get to practice with the best people because then you really learn a lot of stuff. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So tell me about outside of your sport and, of course, what you do for work. Tell us a bit about family. And then I always like to know a bit about the food, your local food that uh, you recommend eating when visiting Oslo. Oh, really? Yeah, so family, I mean, uh, I don't really have a family of my own yet. Uh, so, but uh, I do have a girlfriend and I will get married in one month. So that's maybe the start of a family. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, and then I can hopefully, <laughs> and hopefully some additions to the family after that. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I live not too far away from my parents. Been kind of isolated in Norway my whole life. So... <laughs> But in regards to food, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of Norwegian food is actually, we just bring in other people's food. Because when we typically do the Norwegian thing, you wouldn't buy that at a restaurant. Because we could say fish, but, you know, many other countries have fish. But like typical Norwegian salmon is actually, you know, it's across the world. So you can go to many different restaurants of that. My best Japanese food I have had has been in Oslo. Really? Yeah, down on the wharves there, there's a restaurant on the, the main pier. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it was the first time I'd had wasabi, proper wasabi, as in the guy came and grated wasabi at the table off uh, like a, a wasabi root, I suppose it is. And it was like, wow, that's what wasabi is. That's amazing compared to, you know, the dyed green horseradish that you get with a lot of um, Japanese, you know, uh, takeout or restaurants in, in, in outside Japan. So it was amazing. The food there was incredible. And of course, um, yeah, there's, there's quite a, gr- there's quite a, um, community, isn't there in, 
Oslo of folks that are into the power platform and dynamics? Well, I, I'm not really sure if it's a good or a big community. I mean, the, we, we know each other fairly well. So the people that are there are very passionate about it. But I would say our biggest struggle is actually to get the other people that we don't really know who are. Because it's, it's pretty much the same people that go around, you know, from different jobs. You know, do they just change jobs uh, or change companies? But the same people, you know, again and again. So we, we, we do we do have a good community, but it's small. We should try to figure out how to sort of improve it and get it even bigger. Because it, it does mean a lot when I see, like, especially the UK community. It just, just I don't know if it if it's like that, but it just appears to be so much happening all the time. And of course, they are bigger than us, but they they have so many people engaged in different activities, and it just really just feels like you're kind of the FOMO when you're in Oslo and you kind of want to be in the UK just to sort of be a part of everything. <laughs> it's true, UK is awesome, but I mean, hey, I, I remember some years ago coming to Oslo and presenting at a a Saturday event. Exactly. Um, at the Microsoft office. There. <laughs> yeah, that, that was awesome. And I mean, you had a lot of people show up at that that event. Yeah, but you could maybe say that we have a few, a lot of people showing up, but we don't have that many events. You know, so when we first have some, we get a lot of attendance. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, so true. How do you, you know, you're in a role um, that you lead a team of people. How do you, how do you grow great talent? How do you make sure that your staff are continuing to uh, learn the technology that's relevant to where, you know, we're going with the power platform and dynamics? How do you, how do you make sure that your team are on the cutting edge? That's a great question. And I mean, I don't know if I do it, but I try. And what I try to do is that, I mean, because I, I get overly exposed, uh, you know, in being an MVP, you get overly exposed with news drops all the time. And, you know, either they're uh, NDAs or stuff like that, and you got to keep it for a while, but you at least you get to plan what's coming up ahead. And so I try to sort of stay close with them. So whenever I'm in project with them, because I, I, I tend to be a part of every single project we have. So that I get to talk about the things and sort of, you know, these people are good consultants. So, I mean, they can do anything themselves uh, without me there. But the only thing I do is I just try to challenge them. You know, well, did you think about this? Because this is coming out. Maybe we should try to steer that direction. But I, I think it's really, really hard because I just see that I use so much of my time just trying to keep up. And I'm not really sure if I can expect that from everyone to sort of use so many hours outside of work to keep up with all the news. It's kind of a tough one. Do, do you do any work around universities? Because you talked about it's the same consultants moving from company to company. What are you doing proactively in the university sector to somehow either get grads, you know, that you could train up on, on the technology? Do you have any formal programs like that in place? I don't. Uh, so Norway has, through Microsoft Norway, we do have what we call the Microsoft University. Uh, but that is Microsoft's driven uh, initiative where you, they, okay, so the company, they hire people out of school, like people with master's degrees. So they hire the, hire the technology people out of school, and then they train them for two and a half or two months, just by, you know, just typical standard certification programs. And they are guaranteed a job afterwards in that company. So the company's paying for the training and they get out. 
So that is one initiative that Microsoft Norway has, you know, been doing for, um, well, at least since 2007. That's when I started. So I was the first one that, one of the first that graduated from that program in Norway. So that's kind of like, it does, it does create a lot of consultants, but personally, uh, as a company, I, we are not big enough yet to be able to do that. Uh, so we are unfortunately maybe one of the people that uh, companies that people hate because we need, because we're so f- small, we need people that have some experience. And that's kind of an unfortunate situation. Yeah. So you say you came through that program from university straight into dynamics. Is that the case? Correct. So I had no idea what CRM was. I just, I just, I'd gone a technology degree um, something, something programming, and I'm a terrible programmer, but I passed the class basically. Um, so I have a bachelor's in informatics. And after that, I just directly from that, I attended what was called the Microsoft university, spent two months just learning the programs, did some certifications, and then went, went out to that partner that hired me and started working for them. Wow. That's incredible. So is Microsoft still running that program in Norway? Yeah. Every year. So, but they, they've expanded it also. I mean, it, it's always been big and different things also, but they've kept it for the dynamics every single year. So it's like a minimum of five and normally around 15. So somewhere between five and 15 each year. And uh, that's just for dynamics. And they also have it for Azure, security, um, Microsoft 365. Yeah. Just wow. Cool is program. there any way that you can, you can, you know, take them after Microsoft's finished that uh, bit of work with them. Is there any way you can recruit them from there? Yeah, but I mean, I would then go ahead and I would recruit them before that. So that would that means if our company would do that, it's around, um, I would say, $8,000-ish. So maybe eight and a half, $8,000. You, you get to pick whatever you want from a CV database. And they say, I want this guy or this girl. Uh, and they go for they go through the training and then they arrive pre-trained and pre-certified. So does it, for the first day of work, to put a point taken. And so, okay, so it, it, but it costs you eight thousand dollars per person or to access the database per person. Wow, which is actually not it's not it's not that bad because if you go to these, I'm not going to mention names, but these I, I really hate these uh, British. Uh, not not the one well, the only British talent recruiter that we love, but the the one all of the other companies that we hate, uh, they do charge quite a bit to actually get a consultant moving from company A to company B. Ah, uh, classic. Tell me which one do we love? Oh, the Allison. 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 We Morgan. love Allison. Absolutely, <laughs> we love her. She is amazing. Yeah. She, she does it right, right? She does it right. And she's a cool woman. I mean, it's just awesome the way that she gets to sort of, she, I mean, I'd never even thought about her being an MVP, but she does, she does so many contributions. I mean, she's always there. I mean, any type of call she's in, participating, initiating discussions, it's just quite amazing. Yeah, fully, fully. So, so you know, you've become an MVP. What what was your journey? How did you go about becoming an MVP? And what were the kind of key highlights for you? You're going to, you're probably going to like a part of that story here. Um, so it started off, actually, this is going to sound really strange. So I've been doing Dynamics since 2007 and that product only. So I still call it CRM because I want it to be CRM. But that's, that's I'm, I'm kind of dinosaur that way. But so Malin and I, we worked together because I got her into Point Taken and 
she had okay so we suddenly got this case one day it's like uh, do we know talent and i looked at Malin. do we know talent and he's like no okay we don't know talent well can you learn so i look at Malin. do you feel like you want to learn talent for this one case and she said why oh sure okay no problem so she started learning tons of stuff and she decided okay let's just start blogging so she actually started doing all this blogging stuff within talent and she started a journey that eventually turned into an MVP. That's when it opened up my eyes to see like, holy crap, why haven't I been doing this? I mean, over the, at that point, it was over 12 years working with CRM and I never produced a single blog post because I didn't know that it was possible. You know what? Because so she really taught me how to just set up the blog. So a simplest thing is just a, it's, just, it's just a WordPress, you know, by getting a, just a brand and a WordPress and said, start blogging. So I started. And after that, we actually had the most awesome person that I've ever met. And I, you know him very well, Chris Huntingford. He was in Norway for a Arctic Cloud Developer Challenge, ACDC. It's a hackathon that we have once a year. So he was the host for that uh no sorry the um the judge referee or whatever yeah for that and he's talked about his journey and how he had become an mvp and he talked about you how you had been his guide and really how you had just sort of told you know you you really guided him into certain things and what to think about and how to and again he used those words how to make people feel good and so he then encouraged me to start following you. And then at that randomly about that time, you posted this 90-day mentoring challenge. Yeah, first time, yeah. So I joined that and I just had the best experience because I was at the point where I hadn't yet started blogging. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking like, do I dare to do this? Is it scary? Are people going to really criticize what I write? Yes or no? And so, but you kind of pushed me a little bit over the edge. And you said, like, well, the most important things that you do, especially within speaking and stuff like that, just people will remember how you made them feel. And that kind of stuck for me. And it's like, okay. So I started out with small things and I also did some sessions and just tried to make the sessions fun. So they were not maybe that very heavy technical, but, you know, trying to smile a lot and making sure that people had fun. And it just felt good. So after a while, uh, I was lucky and, and got nominated. And yeah, so that was kind of really my journey into the MVP thing, not having any clue what it was until suddenly actually Marlin, which paved the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's done it for so many now, you know. Uh, there's uh, been people recently gone through the 90-day mentoring challenge and they, uh, you know, once again, Marlin's has influenced them massively um, in that. So Exciting times. Tell us about what what was the eye-opener for you when you became an MVP? What were you surprised about? What were the opportunities that it opened? How did it change your perception of uh, Microsoft, the Power Platform, Dynamics 365, things like that? Well, that's quite interesting because you get access to these uh, DLs where you get a lot of cool information and the product team actually answering a lot of things. So that just kind of like, that was, I thought, pretty cool. Because <laughs> suddenly I'd have access to people that, you know, like they, they do listen. Uh, when you are not an MVP, they, I mean, the only thing you really have is the user voice and you don't really know if that has a reach. Uh, so suddenly I felt like I had a voice and people wanted to listen. 
And I also noticed the difference, at least between Microsoft people also. they I'm not saying that they didn't treat me well before, but they certainly have a different way of treating me now. And also within work, it is also a big difference to be perceived as an MVP when you talk to customers. So I actually do notice a difference there too, that we can use that for many good things. And um, what I've, yeah, so that's kind of what um, the biggest difference, but also actually mostly recently it's been recruiting because um, people that we have had into interviews and a guy that we just recently hired also said that it was really cool to be able to work with someone that ha- was so passionate about the product. And I was, you know, the way that I show that, and I, I really appreciate that because I mean, I, then I can share that passion with other people. So it's kind of cool. Very cool. Very cool. Do you know, um, it, it's interesting that, 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 that's the effect that it had, especially being that you used to work in Microsoft. What if, is there any parallels you can draw uh, between being an MVP and working for Microsoft, um, you know, is there anything that you've reflected on in that respect? Well, I, 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 I must, I've kind of had a, I had a bad experience with Microsoft, to be honest. Um, I worked there for two years and uh, um, nobody really understood what I was doing because I was right in the change. Microsoft, at that time, they had a huge downsizing. So, and I think the bosses that I was, that I agreed to work for, they kind of understood that this was coming. So they left chip or abandoned chip. So they kind of knew this was happening. And I was suddenly then stuck there with a boss that didn't understand anything of what I was doing, had no idea what dynamics was. And that really didn't work well with me. Uh, so I had no inspiration. It was, it was no joy. And I actually thought that while working there that I would get to you know, get closer to the product team somehow, because it really does sound strange, but I, I love CRM. I've been doing it. This is all I've been doing my whole life. So I, I really like it. And I was kind of hoping to, you know, contribute or do something. But the role that I had at that time did not get me any closer uh, than I am now, on the contrary. So right now I am a lot closer than I was then. Yeah, that's so interesting. And and because it's something that I've found, you know, I would attend MVP summits, you know, back in the day when you could. And I would, you know, for example, end up back in Australia. And the first meeting in my diary was by all the Microsoft tech team yeah, to to have a chat about, you know, what was the future? What was happening? What was you know because because they didn't get that exposure, you know, and I and it surprised me they didn't get the access that uh, we get as MVPs to the product team, I, even I though they worked have, inside you wouldn't have Microsoft. access to the DLs either, as the Microsoft or certain only a certain roles would have that. Yeah, that's pretty so cool. True. It was very cool. In fact, I I've, I think I remember when James Phillips came into role, he went and cleaned out of the DLs every Microsoft person that wasn't part of the product team. Off the like, he wouldn't let any Microsoft folks and the subsidiaries etc. be on the DLs for the MVPs. Wow, which uh, surprised me. Surprised yeah, because I, I did actually feel quite disconnected from the product while working there, and it was it was tough. So it 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 wasn't it wasn't for me. I mean, I would kind of so I would love at some point maybe going back to Microsoft, uh, but I was just if there is an opening to actually work really close to the product because that would be a, an extremely odd experience. Uh, yeah, 
that, that would be yeah, cool, and, it, and it it's a strange. totally different world. You know, when when you were going in, they they were they did this massive cull of of everything. You know, CRM, ERP, etc. That worldwide, they're like you know. And then James Phillips came into role, and of course, you know, with him, Alyssa Taylor, and um, and uh, back then, um, I forget who it was that was lo- lo- looking after sales. But from that point, the whole program um, just exploded, and it's on a rocket ship, man, to the moon, right? Yeah, the, <laughs> I'm sure it would be a big difference there now. But you know, you probably have people, you know, like yeah, that are more passionate, at least about the power platform. Uh, so I would have someone to talk around, you know, those things, even though they're not. I, I might, I should probably be a little bit careful, but power platform people aren't necessarily, you know have any idea what CRM is, but, or dynamics, but yeah, it's, it's at least these people that understand what a dataverse is. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Good times. Well, our time is up and I always like to wrap these things up with uh, some quick fire questions. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Here's yours. <laughs> Easy okay. as if you could never work again, how would you spend your time? Uh, playing beach soccer. <laughs> it is so fun. <laughs> Nice, nice. What it's was the first thing you remember buying with your own money? Oh, um, sounds a little bit odd, but uh, when I was a kid, I was never allowed to buy um, um, Nintendo or PlayStation oh, yeah. or uh, Xbox. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I really remember buying was a Nintendo. Nice. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And finally, and you got to be truthful here, what is the wildest party you've ever been to? I can't be truthful about that. <laughs> no, you've got you've got to be. You're, you're, you're from Scandinavia, and we know how yeah. Scandinavia. No, but actually, that, that's actually the half moon party in Thailand. So that's more of a or full moon party in Thailand. Sorry, so that's more of a crazy. Uh, that was you have no idea what was going on there. Everything was going on, and nothing it was going on at the same. It was just strange. <laughs> it is the sickest experience I've been on ever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have a chat about that off Yeah, there. but that would not be a suitable on uh, <laughs> podcast, I think. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thomas, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This really means a lot. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, also known as the NZ365 Guy. Listen, I'd love for you to leave a review. If you go to nz365guy.com forward slash mentoring, you'll see the option there to leave a review. Uh, I'd love to get your feedback on whether you're enjoying the podcast, uh, any ways you think I could improve it, that type of thing uh, would be fantastic. Anyhow, with that, stay safe out there and see you next time.